Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Lee Miller, Senior Customer Advisor at GEM, is my guest today. GEM just published its third annual Recruiting Benchmarks Report, which helps talent leaders compare their results to industry averages. Lee's going to tell us about the report's findings, and we'll zero in on outreach, diversity, AI, and more in this edition of People Tech. Hi, Lee. So, Jem recently completed a study looking at a lot of aspects of talent acquisition and what's going on out in the real world. Could you tell me about it? Tell me about the study. Yes, we did. We released our annual benchmark study earlier this week, uh, and that study pulls from 3.2 million email outreach sequences sent between June 1st, 2022 uh, and May 31st, uh, 2023, and 27.8 million candidates who entered our customers' hiring funnel. So um, quite a, a wealth of data. Um, And we release this uh, benchmark report on an annual basis, both to show our customers and also non-customers around what we are seeing in terms of trends within talent acquisition. So the benchmark report, I think, is hugely hugely relevant, not just for um, TA leaders um, to get a sense of of what is happening out there in the market, but I think is also really helpful information to bring context to um, the other side of the story. So not just what is happening within your organization, but to get a sense of what is happening out there in the industry and to be able to compare Uh, what uh, organizations are doing in a similar industry or a similar size. So it brings the entire story. Um, So benchmarks, I said, really, really important and I think are are super valuable. Uh, And yes, as I said, we released ours this week. So lots of great information in there for a variety of different organizations uh, and certainly a couple of elements that that stood out to me that I'd love to, to, to step through with you. One of the things that struck me when I was reading reading the report is a discussion about emails compared to texts in terms of response rates and, mm-hmm. and such. There's a lot of people who think that email is kind of like the old-fashioned way nowadays. You know, it's what baby boomers like. And younger workers, you know, are more into texting. Yeah. Could you could you sort of recap the results of what you found there and tell me what you think it means? Yeah, so we have, um, and taking it back a, a couple of steps. So within Gem, we have the ability to, and and those who use Gem have the ability to to send outreach messages either via text, via email, or via say LinkedIn, which is is pretty common as well. So we analyze all of those three channels to get a sense of um, who is using what and kind of the the response rates and how that converts through the funnel. I think it's really interesting when you think about email versus text. And yes, I do think it's um, perhaps generational as to um, whether or not you'd feel comfortable if you were to receive a a text message about a job where perhaps you hadn't shared your, your details. So I, for one, I would be I'm pretty uncomfortable with that. Um, And maybe you're the same, but we have seen that it, provides, um, we see a lot of uptick and conversion when we are reaching out to um, younger generations. I think it also, it's it, we see it used a lot in 
varying industries. So for example, one of our customers is manufacturing, and that is the best way to get in touch with potential candidates because they're not in front of their computers. What they have access to is their phone. So I think that is a like a subset of the population where that is really the only way you can connect with them about opportunities and you start to, to see engagement from that perspective. So um, yeah, I think it's an interesting one and we see our customers kind of a, B test what works for them uh, and what works for the population or the type of jobs that they're recruiting for. Um, but we have seen when we go now switching from email to say LinkedIn, whereas LinkedIn used to, has for the last 10 years or so always been the way that, or typically the way that um, you hear about opportunities, it's pretty saturated at the moment. So sometimes we're seeing cut through with um, certain job families like engineers, for example, just won't even look at LinkedIn now because they they get so many messages per day, whereas a way to get to them is through email. So trying a variety of different outreach methods, uh, I think, has its value and has, I guess it's dependent on industry, generation, job, family, et cetera. So I think that's why you, you start to see varying responses through those channels. Um, another interesting area was uh, talk about racial disparities. Mm. You know, on the one hand, there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of years about DEI and companies and employers becoming more active in, in sort of building up their record and, and their uh, programs in, in that area. Yes. Um, on the other hand, now the economy seems to be a little queasier and a a lot of employers seem to be pulling back on softer aspects of their employee engagement and candidate experience, including DEI. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering first, have you do you think overall talent acquisition has made progress in approaching uh, people uh, from you know communities of color or or what have you? And where do you think it's going? I mean, is it, it, do you expect them to pay less attention to diverse candidates um, in the near future or keep plugging away the way they've been? Yeah, that's a really good question and one which I, I'm i also unsure because over the last like five years or so, 10 years, you've seen a real concerted effort to be very thoughtful around how organizations build a diverse workforce and whether that came from um, bubbled up from the recruiting teams themselves or was led by CEO of an organization around the importance of DEI. It was very much the top of the all conversations within recruiting over the last at least five years. Over the last couple of years, though, or certainly within the last one or two years, I think the the economic climate has had a real impact on DEI initiatives within organizations. And I I would like to think it's not the case, but our data suggests that still um, we are seeing disparities when it comes to like outreach to, to certain groups. So for example, the, um, the results that we saw through the benchmark report shows that men consistently receive more attention across industries than females, full stop, with Asian talent receiving 1.2 more outreach than white and 4.7 more than Hispanic and five times more than Black African-American candidates. So it's a clear inequity in the recruiting process, and that's just from the the last year or so, which I thought we were beyond that. So 
I think this, it's interesting. It's DEI is important, but is, is it still a priority even when the company is financially going through certain hardships or when there's um, layoffs across an organization? Is that being kept top of mind? And this seems like the answer is no. So it it, it concerns me that all of this great work that 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 we've done within recruiting may not be, it may not continue, or it may just be a a bright, shiny thing, but it falls to the wayside when a, a, a company um, experiences a, a turbulent moment. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. It's pretty much required that I ask you a question about AI. So, but my question actually ties back to to this discussion. Yes. uh, Around diversity. Is AI going to help those efforts, do you think? Or is it just going to be a way of doing it a little bit faster and a little bit better? It's a good question. I think AI is going to help all elements of recruiting. And I'm really excited to see what is going to happen over the next couple of years. We're ripe for disruption within the recruiting industry. The last time we had a significant disruptor, I think um, I'd trace that back to the time of um, when LinkedIn was first introduced. I remember pre and post of that. And I think that was like a a, a disruptive moment. And I think AI is going to be the next one. Um, as for whether it is going to improve DEI efforts, I think that remains to be seen. Like I'm bullish on all other aspects of what it can do within recruiting, but this is the one where I I, I am concerned and I question whether or not there are limitations. And the reason why is that with la- with generative AI and my high level understanding, I'm by no means an expert in this area, but with generative AI. It's all based on the source code, the source material that you bring in, which is, I think, right with bias. And so I'll I'll be really interested to see what will happen in this area. I feel like it can only be somewhat improved. Whether it can be solved is another thing, Um, but hopefully it's going to to help us because it's clearly imperfect as it is today, and I think we've got a long way to go. And even if it can help us move a couple of percentage points or a a couple of steps along the the pathway. I think that's great news, Um, but I don't think it's going to solve it. I don't know. That's that's what I'm seeing at the moment, but it is early days and I haven't seen a huge amount of AI when it comes to anything DEI related. I'm seeing it more like your low-hanging fruit, your um, job descriptions, your general administrative work that recruiters do. Um, I'm yet to see something that's really, that has really wowed me when it comes to AI as it relates to DEI. It seems like a lot of people, if they're using chat GPT or something like that, are accepting whatever the machine says yes. almost by faith. So yes. it could suggest approaching DEI this way or that way, and one of them may not be may not make sense in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like another burden for talent acquisition that they may have to spend more time checking 
um, the accuracy mm. or logic of what the AI comes at them with? Mm. I'd say it's a burden or something for everyone to be mindful of with AI, not just recruiting, that it is somewhat imperfect. There's limitations to what it can do, although it's proved to be that AI, um, the language learning models have proved to be very accurate and can pass a whole lot of, um, of high bar tests. I think still putting all your faith in the results is, is a is a concern. So I think, yes, there's limitations and accuracy is one of it, but I don't think it's going to be a huge burden for recruiting, but knowing that not everything that comes out and what everything you get, say, from ChatGPT is going to be 100% the way to go or 100% apply to your your business, um, I think is something we all need to sense check ourselves on. It's not, it's not earth shattering when I say that there's a lot of parallels between talent acquisition and marketing. Yes. And mm-hmm. those really struck me reading the report because mm-hmm. you're talking about so many of the same things, open rates, what have you, engagement rates. What What is the relationship between talent acquisition and marketing in, in most places? They're doing the same thing, representing the same company. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear a lot of talk about those two functions working together. Mm-hmm. Are they? Should they? I mean, what do you think? I think it, it ranges. So um, within my role, we uh, I implement a talent maturity survey, which gives a, an indication of how your teams are operating within talent acquisition on a, a scale of maturity. And I have seen it with the work that I've done with customers as it relates to like, partnering with marketing, your talent attraction or talent marketing strategy, and that how close you are with marketing teams. Um, and I've seen a whole range that that there's some organizations out there who have no contact with their marketing teams. Um, and so there's no alignment there. Whereas there's some organizations that are far more on that innovative scale who have developed a very close relationship or in lockstep when it comes to how they are um, presenting their employer brand, how they are um, representing their careers website. So they, they work in partnership. And I do think that that partnership is where we all need to get to because there are so many parallels. I think when you look at marketing versus recruiting, I think marketing is way ahead when it comes to their use of technology, how they think about the funnel, which is exactly how recruiting operates. We just haven't always operated in that way. or We haven't been, I guess, many people haven't been taught to think about it in that way. So I think that that's where we all should I think if we could all get there, that would be a great place to be. Um, and that, I think, will depend on within organizations, building relationships with the marketing team, clear lines of what you do versus what I do. So there's no kind of like, I guess, what would you call it? The, you don't think you're encroaching on each other's um, area. But I think the more you can partner together, the best outcomes that you'll see for recruiting, um, because it is very much about marketing. And I think more and more we see that. It's about how you position yourself, the storytelling that you do, how you're attracting and continually engaging talent is very much like what marketing has been doing for years. So um, I think the, as I said, some people are doing that exceptionally well, or some organizations are doing that exceptionally well, and some are, are still on the journey. So what's your favorite part, or what's the most interesting takeaway of, of the study to you? 
I think um, uh, when I look at the benchmarking report, a couple of things um, stood out to me. First, the um, there's a piece of data in there that talks about the market shift to larger companies, how in 2021 you saw a um, offer accept rates were the highest at small companies. So um, certainly here in the US, I saw that where there was a surge of uh, talent to like tech startups where there was flexibility and there was a financial upside. Whereas in 2023, in this current market, you've seen that completely flip. So you're seeing the the talent and higher offer accept rates at larger companies, um, which I think is indicative of the economic environment, talent looking for more stability within large organizations and really wanting to, to hunker down there. So that was one that spoke to me and maybe it's more because of my own experience as well. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, And then I think the other big takeaway is just looking at the aggregate numbers that uh, we share in the report. And what I mean by that is that having a look at, on average, um, offer acceptance rates across all of the companies that and the um, the data that we looked at was at 82%. That's just a really good general benchmark to have to say, are we higher or lower than that? And what can we do with that? Um, The days at Days to hire as well was at 36. Again, just a really good like general data point to have. And I think it's something that all organizations could could take a look at. And then the final piece was around um, in the report, it talks about sourced candidates are four to five times more likely to be hired for a role, which we've kind of heard that before. But what we're seeing here is that also we saw some pretty compelling data that um uh, for sourced candidates, we're seeing a lot longer hiring times uh, and a 7% lower offer acceptance rates um, when it came to, to offer. So it just highlights the needs for, yes, there's some great, um, uh, that sourcing could be a really valuable channel, but there's also some, some downside to that. So really just to take that into account when creating a, str- a strategy for the channels that you use, why you use it, and what you think you're going to yield in terms of results. Well, Lee, thanks for stopping by and talking this through with me. It's great to meet you, and I hope you'll come back sometime. Thanks for having me, Mark. It was a pleasure. My guest today has been Lee Miller, Senior Customer Advisor at GEM. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcast.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcm technologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. 
Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.